You're listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast, brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff Milo, and joining me on the podcast today are two staff members from the Circulation Department. Roddy and Abby will be joining me because, well, we really just have a lot to talk about regarding the fantasy and sci-fi genre, especially uh, fantasy series that we have read over our lifetimes and we are just really actually just delivering a lot of our hot takes uh, on what goes right and what goes wrong when it comes to uh, the reader's experience maybe of these of these books that usually involve lots of world building and mysticism and in heroes journeys and magic and villains and darkness and light and all this kind of stuff but uh Obviously, on our radars is the new uh, series coming to Amazon Prime, the adaptation of the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan, which was spanning the 90s into the early 2000s. Very popular series with very dense world building and a lot of built-in mythology and a huge cast of characters. So what we're really going to talk about really how we feel about adaptations in general Timing would have it that it's also literally the 20th anniversary of the theatrical releases of film adaptations of The Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. So that means that we've been living the entirety of the millennium where our multiplexes and our television sets have been full of these adaptations, whether they are films or shows, of uh, very popular books Sometimes those books are crossover successes, and sometimes those books were kind of had a very niche cult fan base following, but, you know, major movie studios and corporations still put in the money and adapt these things. I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent already, but really just here to have a fun, free-flowing conversation between myself and Roddy, who speaks first, and Abby, who speaks second after we get started here, because I know that both of them have read a lot of fantasy series in their reading lives and they have a lot of opinions on this so if you are like us and you haven't read wheel of time yet and you kind of want to read it before you dive into the show well then you are just like the three of us that's where we start our conversation but it kind of just goes off this conversation really goes off on its own journey so we hope you appreciate listening to our to our stream of conscious dissertation on how we feel about uh these books and the characters that inhabit them here's my uh, chat with Roddy and Abby. You guys made the mistake of mentioning that you really wanted to watch Wheel of Time, and then you also really wanted to actually read the books first, which was very admirable. And then in the back of my head, I said, wait, guys, there's 14 books that were written over the course of 17 years. That's a lot of catching up to do. And so I wanted to get you on the podcast to talk about fantasy books because you guys read a lot of them and just series in general. So so that's why we're here. Um, I have something to say, but I really, really would love to hear what your controversial takes are first that you're aforementioned. Okay. What's your drama? Roddy? I don't think that adaptations should exist most of the time. <laughs> that's I, a great way to start a podcast. I know. It's like so controversial. I am actually going to back that up. 
Okay, that's great. That's great. The, f- the first voice you heard was Roddy. The second voice was Abby. They're joining me on this podcast. I'm so glad you guys are here. Hello. And you guys went straight for the nuclear drama option. Not two minutes ago, we were just reminiscing about how nostalgic we are for uh, uh, a series of films made between 2001 and 2003 called The Lord of the Rings, which were adaptations of a book, a book series by J.R.R. Tolkien. You all know that. And now we don't think those should exist. Your take. Actually, <laughs> actually, they are a rare exception. A rare exactly. exception. Because, all right, I love J.R. Tolkien, which you know. Sure. I do think that in terms of like accessibility, mm-hmm. the original trilogy did a really good job mm-hmm. of introducing those works to the greater world. They also added a lot of context. For example, Arwen. I was just talking to Abby about this. Arwen doesn't show up until the very end of the very end. So Mm -hmm. when people read the books, they were just like, who's this random woman stealing Eowyn's man? Mm -hmm. Why is she here? Mm -hmm. And what Peter Jackson did, I remembered his name now. Look at that. (laughs) I totally forgot his name earlier. Uh, Um, Fans will uh, know that Eowyn's man, quote unquote, is, of course, Aragorn. Uh, (laughs) Also also known as... Strider, uh, Alessar. <laughs> okay, so what Peter Jackson did was he added Arwen in throughout the trilogy sure. to establish that relationship and add context for why she shows up in the end and stills Eowyn's man. So little things like that in adaptations can be really well done. Sure. But I tend to be very like apprehensive about adaptations. It's really funny too because like, I watched the movies before I read the books. So in my mind, Eowyn was stealing her man. I was like, excuse Mm -hmm. me? And then I read the books and I was like, oh. (laughs) I was like, okay, okay, okay. I see what you did there. (laughs) I come at it from this interesting angle. I'm trying to find my words here, guys. I always think, you know, gee whiz. These actors and this director and this screenwriter and these camera operators spent four months of their life pouring all their blood, sweat, and tears into this. And gosh darn it, they tried their best. And, you know, even 2004's The Golden Compass, they tried their best. These people are trying. So I always look at it that way. Like, these people committed their lives to something, whether it comes off right or not. So my thing is, with The Lord of the Rings, they spent so much time on yeah, them though yeah, exactly so i'm like of the mindset yeah they 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 put a lot of their lives into this mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. did you put lord of the rings effort mm. into it because if you're not going to put lord of the rings effort into something i do not think it should exist because it's just going to make a lot of people angry or you're going to just miss out on a lot of stuff mm-hmm. you also need lord of the rings money Yes. Yeah. To do Lord of the Rings effort. And yes. I don't feel like everybody was willing to put Lord of the Rings money into it because Lord of the Rings was a huge gamble Truly. <laughs> when it happened. Truly. It was a worth so worthy gamble. And- Truly. It it was yeah. um there was a there's a animated there's an attempt in the late seventies mm-hmm. um to do an animated version, I think. Yes. Ralph I- Ralph Bakshi is the guy. And even then, despite how cool that looked, it was I think that that film is it, it was still niche, and uh, and I don't actually I don't even think that that film has universal acclaim. Those seventies films. <laughs> I do really like the like Thranduil that sure. they had in sure. that film. That sure. scene was so cute. Yeah. Sure, 
totally like, different from Lee Pace. Right. <laughs> Lee Pace, we were like, oh. Big fan of both, but still. <laughs> oh, wait. Different vibe. Was Lee Pace in the Lord of the Rings trilogy? He was in the Hobbit. The Hobbit oh, trilogy. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, which um. actually is on the opposite end of the spectrum right. of why things should not be adapted. Now. When I heard that we were making that, I was like, why are we making three movies? Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> if you do the math, the Lord of the Rings trilogy are three books that are all 400 pages long. Mm-hmm. Okay. Trilogy. Three movies. The Hobbit is one book, 350 pages long. Three movies? <laughs> <laughs> like, excuse me? That was also during the time, or at least I'm just going to lump it in, where all of the movies that should have been trilogies were making four parts uh-huh. instead of three parts, mm-hmm. which I also hated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Again. Hunger Games, Twilight, oh. these are adaptation situations, which might be the unofficial title of this uh, I mean, if we're going to go into uh, Twilight and Hunger Games, please. what in the world? Like, Twilight, okay, so everyone, like, because Twilight came on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Was it Netflix? Yeah, Netflix. Mm-hmm. And everybody is watching it. Everyone's in love with it again. But I feel like it comes from the thought process that you it, like, you know, you watched it when you were younger. It's part of your, you know, childhood or teenage years. Because I didn't watch it. I watched the first one and I watched it later on. And I just, like, tried to make it through all of the movies. And I literally was making fun of it the entire time because the books were terrible. <laughs> the movies were worse. And I was just like, maybe it's because I didn't read this when I was a teen. I was reading, like adult fantasy when Mm -hmm. i was a teen Mm -hmm. but i was like what is this Mm -hmm. the people i know who finished the twilight books uh did the book version of hate watching they hate read and they just need to actually that is me yeah it is tis i (laughs) to get through it and not that they that and probably hated it all along the way up until (laughs) i'm actually surprised to see like hear how many people hated reading the hunger games because i thought i was alone in that and I did not like the Hunger Games storyline because she did so much useless stuff and Gail was just trash. And everyone was like, oh my God, Team Gail, Team PETA. No, it's Team PETA. Gail is trash. Well, people were really into love triangles, which is actually a trope that I hate. I hate, I hate love, love triangles. triangles. So, Like, what is the point? And I feel like, especially in YA fantasy, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is kind of like, that's what they do. I don't know so why I that, never had that. But or, the, or it is the or it's the enemies to lovers trope. Oh. Okay, so that is the that's debatable because fifty percent of the time I really love that one if done correctly. Mm-hmm. But the other fifty percent of the time it either happens too fast, it happens too slow, it happens in the dumbest way possible. You have to literally I'm gonna I'm gonna change my rate my sure. 25% of the time I enjoy it because no, not everyone can get that right. 75% of the time I'm like, please never do this again. Sure. Because it has to be the perfect balance. If it is not the perfect balance, then it just makes it seem YA-ish mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like, gross. Oh, we're, we're running away from the mystical dragon monsters. Well, actually, we I to... wanted to go back to that because <laughs> please, please. the Hunger Games, yeah. which ties into a fantasy trope that I don't like, but does well okay to be clear she doesn't do this in the hunger games necessarily but a lot of fantasy books do do this which is the incompetent hero the hero that just has no idea what they're doing the entire time bilbo og bilbo yeah i'm sorry i love bilbo 
deep, deep down. Sure. But he also frustrates yeah, me. Right. Deep, deep down. He was and, just chilling. You know, Hunger Games doesn't have house. that problem because while Katniss doesn't understand the politics of certain things, as far as like actual survival, she knows what she's doing. Yeah. Like she fumbles a bit as one would when put into a battle royale, but she knows what she's doing. And I was like, I can work with her. But fantasy really loves to just give us these heroes that, you know, they just can't get it together. And that gets really, really old, Mm -hmm. really, really fast. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't understand how this person can survive this high intensity, high danger situation if they are just literally just rolling around unknowingly the entire time. It's like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? Like, they don't learn at a proper pace. Mm -hmm. They are constantly being saved by other people. They're constantly you know, becoming lucky, like, oh, that almost killed me, but a rock came out of nowhere and squished it. Mm -hmm. Like, that irritates me because why? Like, I'm not reading this to hear about somebody who's like me. I'm reading this to hear about a really awesome person who reached their full potential fairly quickly because Mm -hmm. it's fantasy. It's not supposed to be real. Mm -hmm. And they kicked butt. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, a book where that happens? Where? Name of the Wind. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, by Rothfuss. Yes. Patrick Rothfuss. The book yes. that I still haven't read that's on my bookshelf. I read that book in one day. I was quarantining. Okay. And my goal was to read a book a day. Pretty sure it's 499 and... pages, but okay. <laughs> uh, well, I also had the mass market version, which was twice as long. So yeah, because like the tiny <laughs> pages. Very tiny, tiny print. And you know I wear glasses even though I never have them on. <laughs> so I was just like, I'm going to start at like 8 o'clock in the morning. And I'm going to see if I can finish this book in a day. And I read the whole book. It was painful. Um, Not reading it, but like physically. (laughs) So, but it was great. I was just like, oh my gosh, look at all of these fantasy tropes that I do. Like a competent hero who, you know, is being real sneaky. Mm -hmm. The whole story being told as a story within a story. Mm -hmm. Love that. I was just like, this is great. There's magic and intrigue and world building, and it's not too complicated. This is my controversial take, and I wanted to get to. I don't know if I know how to read fantasy. That is my thing. Don't. And here's, I'll diagnose myself, and then maybe you guys can help me get over it. (laughs) When you're, when I'm reading the Lord of the Rings trilogy 15 years ago or whatever, unconsciously in the back of my head, I'm thinking. Well, let's let's get to it. There's there's a lot of stakes. There's a big there's a big monster in a tower who wants to take over the world and we got to destroy this ring. Let's let's get to it. Okay, all right. Let's get let's get wait, another song? Oh, more songs? Wait. Are we stopping to eat again? We got to get to the mountain. We got to get there. Uh so I can't focus on the characters sometimes cuz I'm just wanting it to get to its climax and i don't experience that when i'm reading like a drama or a romantic comedy book um but i do also experience it when i'm reading a sci-fi book because if it's hard sci-fi especially i can't really focus on the character because i'm like well look at the crazy ship you're on the ship has ai oh my god are you in a different galaxy i can't wrap my head around i gotta wrap my head around that i can't get to know you yet yeah so that's the (laughs) problem with world building is that when you do too much yeah there is a such thing as too much world building. Yeah. I like to just be thrown into situations and figure my way out alongside the characters because that helps me get to know the characters. And mm-hmm. then that helps me get to know the world without having to sacrifice one or the other. Sure. And so. Sure. And, there's, and this and that's what, what I was 
concerned about when it came to Wheel of Time because it is a big cast and it's a huge <laughs> world. And we're talking about the cyclical nature of time and we don't know what this it's if i the bits i know about this is that it's an unnamed land and we it's got elements of uh european mythology some asian mythology some hinduism some buddhism and we're talking about uh there's a little there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a thing of lord of the rings and game of thrones because you know think that rosamund pike is kind of Everyone's going to hate me for this kind of playing a Gandalfy character. And she's also looking for kind of a prince that was promised type character. So there's a lot of things going on here. And, you know, so how do you get to know all these people? Like, you know, those it's too big. It's too big. Are you still going to read it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I... here's my biscuit and gravy on the Wheel of Time reading it. Um, according to Goodreads, let me open up my notes here because um, I actually looked up for once how many times I've tried to read this <laughs> book. Yeah, Will of Time, I have tried to read it seven times according to Goodreads, and I never make it to the end of chapter two, and I don't know what it is about it. Wow. It's just something's not vibing with me. Mm -hmm. It literally has everything in it, like everything that you said that I absolutely love about a fantasy sure. novel, sure. all in the same book. So to me, it's like, the inheritance cycle mm -hmm. you have you know all the other books that i read like i believe there's the according to my friend there's like what i hate but not what i hate he said there's like a bunch of love triangles but they're not like terrible love triangles mm -hmm. i don't know mm -hmm. if that's a possibility he said he has stuff that you'll hate and stuff that you'll love but you'll love to hate the stuff in it, it has literally everything sure can i get past chapter two that's, do yeah. not know why i yeah. want to read it i'm going to read it it's it's a mystical land. It's got a force of darkness, kind of a Satan character. It's got we're looking for a hero. We're holding out for a hero. Um, there's wise people <laughs> who are fighting the good fight. <laughs> I you know I get it. And but yeah, but 14 books and they, you know, and amazingly, like for the last five years up until he died, these were all on New York Times bestsellers. So mm -hmm. they were like crossover hits. So yeah. here we are. There's a show. And, you know, I'm very curious to, to know whether or not either of the two of you are going to cheat and watch the show before you read. It's okay. You don't have to say it on the record. Oh, I probably won't watch the show because funnily enough, now that we're talking about this, part of the reason why I don't like adaptations is I don't really like television shows that much. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big... I like movies. Sure. Um, I like limited series. Mm -hmm. I am not a big multiple season television show kind of person. That's way yeah. too much commitment for me. Plus, like, there's also the danger of the show going bad. Like, I'm so concerned for The Witcher because they just signed. They there's a I don't know if it's been oh, confirmed. They man. signed him on for mind you. I didn't read the books yet, but I do have them, and that is my plan over the next mm -hmm. few months. So I don't know if the show's terrible compared to that, but. They did sign him one, I think, for five more seasons or something like that. And I'm so scared because I don't okay. want it to go bad. To be fair, I have read I've read all but the last two Witcher books. Oh, I started yeah. reading them almost immediately after the show because I realized that I committed a faux pas and I needed to fix it immediately. <laughs> and I actually think that the Witcher would be a good antidote to your problem. Oh, really? Yeah, because let me tell you, he can write action mm -hmm. like i've never read before oh. like 
the action in the book is just as riveting as the action in the show. Um, Delicious. Which we'll see if I can manage to watch the second season because that one season tends to be my limit for shows. So that's actually the problem that I'm running into. But it's very fascinating. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so the first couple of books are the ones that we see in the first season. Mm-hmm. And they're not a full like start to finish narrative. They're actually short story collections mm-hmm. that both introduce you to the world and to the characters by showing you Geralt in all these situations that are really wild and fun. Some of them are funny. Some of them are very sad. And then after those first two books, you actually get into the continuation, the story with him and Siri and all the things that are going on there. So that's where we should be starting with this next uh, season Mm -hmm. because they seem to pretty much wrap up the short stories in the first season. So, yeah, if you don't want to, like, spend forever with world building and you just want to, like, see your characters and get the action and all the things that are going on, like, the way he writes action is ridiculously good. It's nuts. I loved it. <laughs> Again, this is a uh, a medieval land that is sort of unknown. It's known as the continent. And for whatever reason, when, when, when Witcher the show came out, I felt inexplicably repelled by it (laughs) but it's henry cavill uh i am someone who watched a little film called uh man of steel and (laughs) completely hated it and think i uh and now have reactions to henry cavill (laughs) okay but to be fair to be fair it's henry cavill it's henry also (laughs) (laughs) also Oh man, what was I going to tell you? Have you seen you? him in anything else? I saw him in the Mission Impossible movie that he did, which he Where was he which he was good in. His, oh, he arms. arms. He he yes, he does that and he beats up Tom Cruise in a bathroom. Yeah, that's a thing. Fair. That we all went to. We all did. Um, it was yeah. fun. My introduction to him was The Count of Monte Cristo yes. when he was still a teenager actually. It yes. was him and um Jim Caviezel. I'm probably butchering his last name oh i saw the movie and was a fan of the book and was a very very lonely alexander dumas nerd in middle school oh well who had been friends yeah that's when i read it good hello hi how are you now we've met each other um i went to see that movie uh count of monte cristo in theaters uh co-starring uh luis guzman and i had no idea there was a little kid in there named henry cavill yeah yeah he was uh he was Montego's son Oh yeah, Albert Mondego. Yeah, I'm a fan. Which is, who is actually in the which is not in the book. Which is not in the book, but he's actually uh, the Count of Monte Cristo son. Yeah, so he was so cute in my head when I saw that. I was like, he's gonna be a great actor one day, or he's gonna make it big one day. And look at it, uh, look at his little baby just face. Just pulling up I his picture right now. He's so cute. With <laughs> his little rosy cheeks. But yes, it's almost unnatural that he at that age has the jawline that he currently has right. today. Yes, as a matter of fact. Yep, you can see it right look there. Look at that, just sharp. <laughs> I hope he never listens to this podcast. <laughs> he just might. He just I might. hope he does. And then he decides to do a podcast with Jeff specifically oh God, yes. just to talk about. We we will. And we'll probably talk about how he's apparently obsessed with swords right now. which oh is Okay. Also, relatable. same. But The Witcher is probably, in terms of fantasy, fantasy series, probably one of my top ones currently. You know why? Mm. Because it's finished. Nice. <laughs> right? <laughs> Nice. It is seven books, but it's also done. It's a closed loop. <laughs> yes. 
yeah i don't know why i was i was i thought that i wasn't gonna like the show and you know i haven't watched wheel of time yet but for some reason i was like oh yeah that looks like that's high fantasy that's high art that mm-hmm. looks classy i'm gonna watch that the witcher looks a little uh i don't even know what it was to me like um but i know you're both fans i'm not gonna use any okay. adjectives so really quick my last like compliment for the witcher because i could talk about the series forever is i love retellings and the witcher is actually a long series of like fable and um what's the word i'm looking for just like fairy tale sure. that's the word i'm looking yeah. for retellings wrapped into this overarching fantasy world and i love that that's the kind of stuff that i eat right up sure, so sure. I want to get to other series. I want to get to other series that you guys might like, but I will pause this for anyone in the room, even if it's just one of us who doesn't like TV. Uh, <laughs> I think that, and that maybe this sounds naive, and maybe I'm just goading on executives who want to make money, but I do think that sometimes shows are the best format for that because everyone said Game of Thrones was an would be unfilmable if you tried to make it a movie. It would be definitely. And for six beautiful seasons we actually you know enjoyed a really well except for season five and seven uh we actually really enjoyed uh, a really well done show where they were able to flesh everything out you get to learn about all the characters you get to know them and like them so sometimes the show is the good format for that maybe it's going to prove right for the witcher i think it would work even better if the series were done yes Yes. Oh yeah, because uh, the Game of Thrones is still not done. Yes. yes. Speaking of which, you got to make that money though. Yeah. Right. HBO. Which is, yeah. Honestly, and that's another problem that only happens with like fantasy series. Right. Just to really Period. go on a very short tangent, mm-hmm. really quickly, mm-hmm. that has also happened with anime, mm-hmm. where things have not been finished, and they have decided to try to finish it, much to the detriment, oh, and yeah. then they go back. And then they fix it and it does work sure. with the fix like it is better sure. but it's also just like we could have we could have waited mm-hmm. we could have waited um or, but... some, or sometimes anime goes on way too long <laughs> can we talk about that one piece or bleach <clears throat> um i don't know if any, we're, <laughs> clearly we have transitioned momentarily to anime i don't know if anyone's listening who is following along with anime as well but i have hot takes on dragon ball z we will talk. We w- we should have one about that. I can record that I would, from home. I'm just <laughs> I'm just gonna say this right now. I don't know if I'm gonna open up a can of worms, but the televised version of Dragon Ball Z should have ended after the Cell Saga. All right, that's it. Whoa, um, hot takes. Hot takes. <laughs> hot takes. Hot takes. Um, Goku dies. Gohan kills Cell. It's over. All so, right, end the show. Real quick transition into graphic novels, Please. though. Graphic novel fantasy series mm-hmm. are really good. I haven't. I don't know if I've read any. Me. Except uh, for Sandman, I guess that counts. Also Saga. Or saga? would you count that as sci-fi? I saga think might be sci-fi. What if it's science fantasy? Sure. Okay, sorry. Science I'm just gonna... fantasy is a thing and I absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> yes, because the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemisin is science fantasy. Ah, uh, yeah. there should be more science fantasy. Um, yes. I'm a writer of science fantasy. And that's novel. also being adapted into a television series. I don't Excellent. know if you knew that. Um, but it got optioned by some studio a couple of years ago. Okay. Wow. I vaguely remember this news because I was very excited. We'll see if I actually watch the show. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I feel that 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 goes back to sixties and seventies. Maybe the originator is Ursula again, maybe for that science fantasy situation. Yes, she's that trailblazer there, and now we got um maybe Octavia Butler too. But like mm-hmm. definitely, N.K. Jemisin is holding that torch. Yes, lately. Yeah. So fables fables the graphic novel series yeah by yeah. bill i'm gonna mess up his last name but it starts with a w i think it's willingham willingham yeah yes it like got willingham. it so these are all fairy tale retellings essentially the plot is that all of the fairy tale creatures are fables end up getting having to leave their home and they set up a town in New York City, like a little city within the city. And they all nominate because they all hate him equally, the big bad wolf. Big to, wolf. Yes, to be the sheriff. Now, this is why Fables gets interesting. Want to hear adaptation that I do love? The Wolf Among Us, which is a video game, Whoa. which is set as a prequel to this graphic novel series. All right, well... I love that this has officially become the geekiest episode we've ever <laughs> ever recorded because we just talked about a video game being an adaptation and prequel to a graphic novel series. Yes. Wow. That is really dope. Actually, I played the game first because I didn't know. Um, someone handed me a controller and was like, play this, you'll like it. And they were right. And <laughs> I found out that it was based off of a graphic novel series and immediately just bought every single one that I could get my hands on. Right. Because once again, fairy tale retellings are my jam and it's really, really good. And this is me telling you all that you should be reading fables. (laughs) Well, my list. Roddy has given us hot takes about not liking television and loving fables. (laughs) Abby, do you have any hot takes or series that you really like? I mean, I know there's Aragon. Okay, so right now what's going through my head, what I'm debating if I am up for or not, is actually um, a little bit of the inheritance cycle stuff. Uh, There was a movement a couple months back where Christopher Paolini was trying to get everybody on Twitter to tweet to Disney to make a series on Aragon. Now here's my thing. There was a movie some years ago, and I will sit here and bash this movie because it was nothing like the book. It was... And, Wasn't and it called Aragon? It was called Aragon. Oh, boy. <laughs> and it was an interesting adaptation because that's the closest you can get to it because nothing about it was correct or right. The actor they chose for Aragon did not seem Aragon-y. Um, I do love the actor who plays Brom, but not as Brom. Mm-hmm. Um, it just... Ugh. So I'm very hesitant about them making a TV show. I do think this needs to be a TV show. I do not think it can be a movie because so much happens in it. Oh, God, why would you? Sorry. Oh, yeah, of course, Jeremy Irons. We all <laughs> yeah, love Jeremy okay, Irons as Brom. I mean, he, he was great. Absolutely mm-hmm. love him. But everybody else. And then I don't even think they gave. They didn't even give uh, Arya the main elf character pointed ears or anything she wasn't really elf like like it was such a cluster of what in the heck are you guys doing sounds like you were going through the same feels that i was going through when they attempted to do his dark materials for the first time with nicole kidman (sighs) and i just like i'm looking at it now like 
okay, a TV show would be probably the best way to do this because so mm. much happens and I'm really excited, but I've been burnt before. Mm -hmm. I have trust issues when it comes to this because that's this... almost a dragon pun fire breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I have trust issues because it's like, this is one of my favorite series. This is probably honest. Actually, this is the second fantasy series that I ever read. Wow. This is the second. The first one was by Mercedes Lackey. Uh, the Heralds of Vladimir, I believe it's pronounced. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My high school teacher, ninth grade, Miss Doherty, if you're listening, thank you so much. Um, she gave me the first book in the series and was like, read this because she had nothing else on her shelf because she had, you know, ninth grade reading material. Aww. And I wasn't interested in it because what is this? Yeah. And I had read all the kids fantasy. So she handed me uh, Arrows of the Queen and was like, read this. I came back the next day. I was like, I'm done. I need another one. Oh, nice. <laughs> and she gave me the last two because uh, it's a trilogy. Mm -hmm. Mind you, this series has multiple trilogies in it. Mm -hmm. So it was like she threw me in the middle of this world, which is why I love like when they throw you like Roddy in the middle of the world mm -hmm. and you like learn the world with the characters because it's what I fell in love with. And this was my beginning of falling in love with fantasy. So I'm going to take you guys on a journey. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, so I, I, love this. I said that I didn't really read fantasy books in my youth, but um, in 1992, or it might have been 90, it might be 92, a sci-fi author named Timothy Zahn wrote a little book called Heir to the Empire. And I had figured that there would be no more Star Wars movies for the rest of my life, which was an assumption I made as an eight-year-old. And these books felt like they would be my version of an episode seven and it was very, very, very exciting. Those books were a huge hit, and then there proceeded to be upwards to 247 more books written by a number of different authors over the next 20 years. Yeah. And it got great. There was Shadows of the Empire, which tells the story between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. There was a series on Rogue Squadron. There was amazing stuff being written. So this was my fantasy, and I know that it's kind of a... It's not pure because it's this big intellectual property from 1977 and everyone's seen star wars but these were these were my books that i got lost in so it's valid it's pure it's very pure yeah. and but they for you know these three movies from the late 70s and early 80s uh you don't exactly you know for as fun as they are you don't exactly get to know these characters no you get to know them on the surface luke is the hero on the hero's journey who's technically kind of you know bumbling um you know Leia's the strong protagonist. Han is a, you know, smarmy, smart ass. And so, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, you get to know their, their archetypes, but these books let you get to know these people. So that was what I really liked about it. That's definitely how I got to know them was through the books. And then I have another hot take because Ooh. I feel like this episode has become the place where we give our fantasy hot takes. The number one reason I loved The Last Jedi, uh, a very polarizing Star Wars film, but the number one reason that I loved it is that Luke became a grouchy old bastard. And I found that to be so... That's what I liked. So believable. I was totally... I was so confused when everyone was upset about that. Yeah, but what did you think fair, was going to okay, happen? So, <laughs> right. I'm just like, after all he's been through, and we can obviously see that all of the hard work he has put in right. over the course of Amount his life has been nothing. undone. Right. 
and we're expecting him to not be super (laughs) pissed off please make it make sense like right which i turn into a grouchy old man if i wash the dishes and they're dirty again the next day like oh yeah oh yeah and it was and it and it blew my mind there's a little scene where uh mark hamill here we are episode eight and he is referencing events from episode two and episode three and that felt like such a i don't know a nice connection of the narrative thread yes yeah um that obviously mark hamill would not know about that in 1977 because george lucas hadn't written it yet right but to see luke going through that processing all that we talked about earlier about how we don't exactly get to see these characters grow because there's so much world building Mm -hmm. so it was very satisfying even if he was grumpy to see him go on his tirades so you know that that's what so characters seem to be the most important thing that we resonate with here yeah yes yeah like the worlds are great and everything or they need like a really good yeah jawline and a sword um you know i'm talking about any day and i'm great (laughs) (laughs) okay But if you didn't like that Aragon movie, it's because they didn't get the characters right. They did not. The characters were completely wrong. They were so backwards. It wasn't even like, um, because I've seen some terrible like adaptations and I'm like, but at least I got the character kind of right. Like they did not get these characters correct by far at all. I did not appreciate it. I was upset and I was so excited to see it because I was like, I finally get to see these people on the big screen. And I was like, who are these people? These are not the people that I know. Because that's one thing Paolini does is he lets you get to know his characters very well. The ones that he chooses to let you know. Some of them he keeps hidden on purpose. And you seem to really appreciate the way that the protagonist was constructed in Name of the Wind. Yes. So you just, you need characters. I don't know if they'll be able to, to do it on the show of Wheel of Time, which is... What brought us here, even though none of us have read it or watched it? Right. <laughs> because. It's the biggest thing coming out. Yeah. We have mixed feelings about it. Yeah. 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 And there's just, you know, someone asked me to read it with them. That was my pressure. Okay. Gotcha. It's just like, no one else will read this with me. And you mm-hmm. read everything. And I was just like, I do. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I tried listening to it, too. I don't know. I didn't have that in my counts. <laughs> but I tried listening to it. And the author... He talks very dreary and monotone and it's like an older man. So it's just like, what am I listening to Mm -hmm. one day? Well, (laughs) I'm going to walk away from this and check out fables. I know that that is my action item that and I and I don't know, maybe I'll finally do the inheritance cycle. Maybe I should finally read that. He's working on another one. Oh, Oh, wait, and The Witcher. I got to read The Witcher. Yes. So, Toss a coin to your... Not me starting to say <laughs> I actually know that entire song. I know heart. it, too. It's like my favorite for like, I think a couple months after the, I watched it for the first time, I would just be in the kitchen. Toss a coin to your Witcher. It's such oh, a catchy... Do you know the song, Jeff? I do know the song. I could not escape the song. It was in the zeitgeist. Last year is my favorite character. Can we talk about that? Sure. <laughs> It's not The Witcher. It's, it's not Geralt. Oh, it's... I have time. Oh, you guys. <laughs> I still have time to finish the last two books. <laughs> Witcher season two is premiering December 17th. I am so nervous because they did. I thought they did well with season one, mm-hmm. especially after reading the books and seeing how they adapted it. But I am so scared <laughs> about mm-hmm. season two. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm definitely kind of like, please don't be terrible. <laughs> Justice League. Oh no! <laughs> but, 
hate. So I think that the uh, <laughs> what happened for listeners at home. I thought that the Henry Cavill love was getting a little too out of hand, so I just brought up images okay. of Henry Cavill with a mustache as Superman. Just to so honestly, with. I prefer that. I, I like even... the mustache. What they did here was disgusting. They CGI'd it away, and with yes. all the money that you guys had, you couldn't do a better he job. He looks with CGI. like a potato. He does look like a potato, and it's not his fault. <laughs> he didn't do this. Whoever did the CGI, that was their fault. <laughs> Jeff, um, why did you do this to <laughs> We're we supposed so to be happy. adults. I thought this was excellent. And also, uh, man, he is, there's like a CG version without the mustache. He's giving me some serious Billy Crudup vibes over there. That oh is my some, gosh, I see it. Look at that. Anyway, folks, we are clearly off the rails here. <laughs> That'll do it for our fantasy episode. I'm going to have these two back on again because this was really fun. Um, and we'll have links in the show notes about all the books we talked about, which was like 11 or 12 different series, including a tangent about Dragon Ball Z. And uh, thank you to Roddy and Abby for being here. Thank you for having us. And that was my chat with Roddy and Abby there on the circulation department here at the Ferndale Library. And we all had a lot of hot takes on fantasy series. And uh, I had a few hot takes of my own on Dragon Ball Z and Henry Cavill, Cavill, sorry, that we will probably be addressing in future episodes when Roddy and Abby return. But we want to thank you for listening to this latest episode of A Little Too Quiet. It is the Ferndale Library Podcast, and it's brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. The music that you hear at the beginning and end of each episode is by a local musician known as Sunset. If you want to support this podcast, you go to ferndalefriends.org. You could like or leave a review or follow us, or just recommend it to a, a friend. If you have a friend who uh, is really into fantasy series or just uh, all kinds of pop culture in general, maybe this is a good episode to get them started on it. If you really, really liked this episode, share it to social media. We thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with more 